So Father, right now, let's just pray right now. Right now, Lord, we just, we just come before your throne right now, right now. And we want to just say we believe your word. We believe your word. We believe your Holy Spirit. We believe that your presence is here right now, right now. And Lord, we believe your word that says we believe right now that you will turn our life around and you will perform a miracle. And so we pray, Father, before it even starts, Lord, we just we, we receive right now <laughs> my blessing right now, my miracle right now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Let's turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 15. It's so good to be with you again. John chapter 15, beginning with verse 1. I'm, Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. And as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. And he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered and they Gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. The title of our message this morning is Abide in Christ. I love reading the Gospel of John. As probably many of us do. It's very, it, you can't just read the Gospel of John and not be changed. It is such a provocative book. It is considered by many to be the deepest and the most spiritual book in the Bible. In John chapter 20, verse 31, it really clearly spells out for us the purpose, the reason for the writing of the book of John, the letter that John writes, which was written several years after Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But there was a specific reason why the Holy Spirit inspired John to write this. And it says in John 20, verse 31, that these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that believing, you may have life in his name. So that the primary purpose for John's letter was to inspire faith and belief in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. So that in believing, we would have life 
and his name. Not life as unbelievers, as unbelievers know it. But life as God had always designed for us to experience. And to have and to receive and to live in. It is a book, the Gospel of John, of progressive revelations. Of the person and the ministry of Jesus Christ. It, it just wasn't written in a way uh, that was just a bunch of stories patched together. But there was in the mind of the Holy Spirit a progression of thought. So that the more you read it, the more you were convinced that he is who he is. The son of God. Each teaching and each sermon. Every miracle performed was intended to cultivate and produce within us a faith in Christ that would draw us closer and closer to him. Faith always messes with your thinking. It messes with how you speak to people. How you conduct your life. Faith requires, it intentionally looks for a response from those who are hearing the words of the master. The Bible says, faith without works is dead. And so as the followers of Christ grew in their understanding of who Jesus was, and he claimed to be, a belief in him required a response from them. Something that they, they heard and something that they saw. Something moved in them to reposition themselves in life. That's what faith does. And so that is why I believe John is such a good book. Because you can't just read John and just be just who you are. There's, there's something that will just be uh, ignited, activated in your life. And, and you'll begin to shift and move in your position and your faith and your relationship with Jesus. And we saw that as Jesus dealt with his disciples. In the very beginning when they first encountered him. His words to them were simply follow me. That's what he said. Just follow me. Here they were fishermen. And, and they were uh, tax collectors and social activists and. And suddenly this man came that they never saw before. But there was something so compelling about the life that was in him. He just said to them, follow me. You know the words that we learned when we were children. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Later he said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and Follow me. In John chapter 10 verse 27. He said my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Follow me is always. Where disciples then and disciples now. Begin our journey of faith with Christ. That's where it begins. Just follow me. You may not understand what I'm saying. But just follow me. You don't know where I'm taking you, but just follow me. That's where it must begin. Follow me. The life with Christ is about leaving where you are and going to where he is. 
It is not a static relationship. It is actively moving us in a place that God has always designed and purposed. There was something in Jesus that was far more valuable. They discerned it. And you discern it. There was something far more valuable in Jesus than than anything that they possess. More valuable than status. More valuable than position. And possessions. There was something. He was indeed the pearl of great price. And they were willing to sell all of it to obtain that. Follow me. I remember in the early 70s being in the army station in Europe praying late into the night hours with a band of Christian brothers. We were just so enthused with our new faith in Christ. And though we didn't know all the word of God and we didn't know all of scripture, we, we prayed and, and I remember the song we loved to sing over and over again. You might remember it. I have decided to follow Jesus. You know that song. We hardly knew anything about the Bible, but we knew that song. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. And just as the disciples heard the master's voice, follow me, we heard his voice and we decided that no matter where he led, I will follow. But as you read the book of John, there's another statement. There's another word. There's another invitation that comes from the master, which is just as important and significant. He said to them, believe in me. As the disciples spent more time with Jesus and as they saw his wondrous works and heard his life-changing messages, he began to encourage them and to believe in him. He would say, believe in me? There were wonderful and life-changing lessons that they learned daily that he would teach them. But in order for those lessons to be somehow translated into newness and change, they they, they had to believe, they had to activate in their minds and their hearts faith in what they saw. You know, there are things that happen as we follow Jesus that are so other than that it's difficult to wrap our minds around it. And we don't even understand, explain how this could happen. We don't understand But at that moment, the Lord would just simply say, believe me, believe me. I love the story in the book of John when Jesus said to Martha, as she was grieving over the loss of her brother, Lazarus, and he looked at her and he said, I am the resurrection in life. He who believes in me, even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Then he said to her, Martha, do you believe this? The Lord will allow certain things, changes in our lives to produce greater faith. He will always do it. 
things will happen. You, you can't explain. But at that crossroad, at that time, at that moment of some transition in your life, the Lord will say, do you believe me? The Lord, will, the Lord said, and this is the way to have eternal life. To know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. Such knowledge of God at the moments that matter most to you. When you're looking for answers, the answer is believe Christ. When you can't see reason or understand and life is such a mystery. And at that moment, it's important in our journey with Christ that we believe in him. So now in John chapter 15. He gives us another statement. He speaks 10 times in John chapter 15. Abide now in me. It's almost like the Lord was saying. It's, it's, it's a progression. You have followed me. You have believed in me. And now I want you to take another step. I want you to abide in me. Do you see the progression? Each calling, each invitation represents another place closer and closer, deeper into the heart of God in our relationship with, Christ and with Jesus Christ. You can't just remain the same as a Christian. You can be a Christian five years or 10 years or 20 years or 40 years, but you just can't stay the same. There is a cry in the heart of God. Follow me. Believe me. But now I want you to abide in me. Every step is vitally important to the plan that God has for our lives. Abide in me. What is it? What is it all about? Ultimately, it is the place where God wants all of us as sons and daughters to be. He wants all of us to be there. That was the plan. I want all of you to abide in my son. In Christ, it is the place of intimacy, with a fellowship with the father and the son. You see, it is in Christ that the father is free to engage us. Apart from Christ, because of our sin, there was this gap that, 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 that could not be bridged. But through Christ, who became our righteousness, and in Christ, who makes us sons and daughters, it allows God to freely engage us. In Christ. In Christ, we will find the transference of God's divine power and authority into our lives. He can't trust us with the power that he wants to vest into us unless we're in Christ. In Christ, we have the confidence that every prayer we ask shall be answered. And in Christ, we have the daily experience and the joy of the presence of God. That's why the word abide in me 
It's so vitally, vitally important because there are often times we, we just read over John chapter 15. And, and you say, oh, that's, that's kind of nice. But there, but there, there is something here that, that goes beyond, you see, that goes beyond just coming to church and, and wonderful as church is and being around other believers. But there's, a, there's another step in this journey that literally takes us to the place where Jesus is and he becomes our home. Jesus becomes our home. Now, I need to say this, that, that all of us, all of us have Christ in us. You, you couldn't be a Christian without Jesus being in you. But that varies in degrees, just like our faith varies in degrees. And our love for God varies in degrees. We don't all love the God with the same, at the same level. We don't have the same faith as everybody else. But what John 15 brings to our minds is trying to tell us and instruct us that abiding is Christ will, will determine our level and degree of satisfaction as a Christian. And the degree of the fruit that is produced in our lives. That abiding in the Christ is the key to everything. To all the promises and the plans and the purposes that God has for us. It is where we must make our home. It is the key to a fruitful life. Always producing and yielding the qualities and the characteristics of godliness and Christ-likeness. You can't have it any other way. We want so much to be like Jesus, but the only way to be like Jesus is to be in Jesus. It's to be in him, abide in him. The key to becoming, there are two kinds of Christians, someone said. There are consumers and producers. And the difference between what makes a producer a producer is when he abides in Christ, when she abides in Christ. So what does it mean to abide in Christ? It is a life of unbroken fellowship and communion with Jesus. That's what it is. Specifically with Jesus. It's not just some nebulous, well, I'm, I'm, I'm with the man upstairs. I, you know, he knows me. No, 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 no. Abide in Christ means that you have an unbroken fellowship and communion with, not the man, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. And it's a life-giving connection. It's a life-giving connection. In other words, you and I, our lives are dependent upon the flow of his life in us. Just like a branch depends on the flow of sap that comes from the vine into the branches. And the branch depends upon that flow of life from the vine. In the same way, to abide in Christ brings us to a place of dependency upon the Lord. So that as Paul says, in him I live, in him I move, him I have my being. That's, that's the kind of union. Now, one of the problems is, you might be thinking, now, wait a minute. That, that, that sounds well and good, but I can't live my life that way. 
every day living in an unbroken fellowship and keeping communion with Jesus. I don't keep, I, my mind is not always on those things. My job won't allow it. The problems in my home, the problems in my family won't allow me to go that. I believe in the Lord. Why isn't that? Why can't I just do that? And when I barely have enough time to go to church once a week or twice a week, now you're expecting me to live my life in such dependency and such focus on the Lord? But saints, I had to learn that abiding in Christ is not a work that we have to do. It's a work that God does for us. If we but trust him. If we but yield our lives to him. It is God's grace in the first place that brought us to Jesus. And it will be the grace of God to keep us. In Jesus. Very important. So how does a body in Christ work? We read the verses of scripture. Let's kind of pick through this. We see the work of the father. We see the work of the father who is the. The Bible says the husbandman or the vine dresser. We see the work of Jesus, who is the vine. We see the work of believers, the church, which is the branches. And I believe right now that this passage is so very, very, very important in light of the times. When people are re trying to redefine what Christianity is all about. Going in all the wrong places to understand what it means to truly be a follower of Christ. And then neglecting the most basic and yet the most essential part of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Somehow picking and choosing different things in the Bible. And using that to justify loose living. But it begins with and it's maintained. And it sustain our faith, our witness, our life by abiding in Christ. And so first of all, we look at the work of God, who is the gardener, the vine dresser. The union of the branch and the vine is no work of human wisdom or human will. You can't just religiously try to place yourself in Christ. Forget it. It is an act of God. The union between the vine and the branches is a living one that is maintained by the Father himself. No one desires more to see you connected with Jesus than the Father. No one. And he says, that's my job. He's the gardener. I watch my wife. We, we bring plants in the house. And every day she's looking at those plants. She's looking at how much water is in there. She's looking at what's growing that shouldn't be growing. She's always looking, clipping and clipping and pouring and doing this and that. But that's the picture of the father. That's the picture of what God does every day of our lives. Philippians said, for God is working in you. Giving you the desire and the power 
to do what pleases him. It's by God's grace that takes us as unproductive and unfruitful branches. And he grafts us into a healthy life-giving vine called Jesus. And Jess's grafting involves a serious and a severe process of cutting and wounding. Our union with Christ involves cutting and reshaping and wounding. But Jesus said in John 15, it says, and every branch that he, he says in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he says he prunes. So no matter if you are good or bad, you're going to be cut. You're going to be wounded. You're going to go through a season, a time where God is going to just prune some things in your life. See, that's, that's the work of the gardener. The work of the gardener is to ensure that the branch has unhindered union with the vine. That's his primary purpose. I want to make sure that nothing obstructs the life that comes from the vine into the branch. And in order to do that, I'm going to cut away needless and useless things from your life. I'm going to do it. Because I know that the life you need is in the vine. And I can't allow any competing interests to get in the way of the life that flows from the vine into your being. Now, this is difficult to accept sometimes that the things that you're going through I remember six or seven years ago, six or seven years ago, no, six or seven years into our marriage. <laughs> into our marriage. When we started having little problems in our marriage, there was nothing I could do to make her happy. And there's nothing she could do to make me happy. And it was a very important time in our lives because we had just left the military and finished with Bible school. And now we were, now we were in the ministry and we thought things were just going to take off. But it actually went in the opposite direction. For all those years I had looked to my own, even though I loved the Lord, but I looked to my own strength and looked to my own energy to make things happen, even my marriage. And though I meant well, my own strength was not sufficient for the call that was on my life. And so God had to begin to prune all of that self-confidence and self-effort and self-will to make things happen. He had to prune it. So that my dependency and my total sufficiency was Christ and him alone. The measure of our fruitfulness and witness as Christ's followers will depend on the measure of our abiding in Christ. Let me say that again. The measure of our fruitfulness and our witness as Christ's followers will depend 
on the measure of our abiding in Christ. And let me say this to the young people today. The area where God prunes the most in young people's lives is in the area of relationships. And, and young, young people who are Christians who sincerely have a heart to serve the Lord will find sometimes that as you commit to the Lord, friends will start this no longer being your friends. And you'll scratch your head. Thank you. And you will scratch your head and you'll wonder, what have I done? Why is it that people seem to be turned off? And the temptation will be that somehow you've got to tone down, tap down your love for God in order to be accepted by other people. That is the great temptation. But the Father knows what we need. And who we need to hang out with. He knows. He knows. He knows. And he will prune relationships. Not because they are bad. But they limit the good. That he wants to come in your life. To stay in Jesus. And so pruning is a very, very important process of the gardener. Maintaining an active relationship with Jesus. That's what he does. I want to make sure you always have an active relationship with Jesus. I don't want anything to be passe in your faith. I want you to be hot for the Lord. I don't want you to be lukewarm. I want you to always be stirred up. That's why you come to this church. That's why you come to this church. I want you to be stirred up for my son. He's ensuring that the branch's dependency is upon the vine. He's continuously looking into our lives to make sure everything is focused on staying with the vine. I want to talk about the work of the vine. The work of Jesus. Jesus said in John chapter 15 verse 4. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of it unless it's of itself, unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. What a powerful statement. You can't survive as a Christian. And that's becoming more and more apparent in the world today. We cannot survive as Christians, as true sons and daughters of God, unless we do live in Christ, making Jesus our home. Why? Because he's the source of everything we need in life. You can't find the life that God wants to give you apart from abiding in the vine. You cannot. It cannot happen. And I know people are trying to make it, but look at their lives. Look at those who are trying to make it as Christians, but yet one foot here and one foot there. And the evidence of the inability of us to live apart from Christ is that just ask, your, ask the question, what kind of fruit is coming out of their lives? 
Jesus is saying, I'm the source of everything you need. Abiding in Christ is the place for receiving newness of life. Christ, listen to this statement. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. You hear the word, if anyone is not with Christ. If anyone is what? In Christ. He is a new creation. The old has passed away. And behold, the new has come. Well, that's the principle of the kingdom. That the source of newness of life, not just when we said, Jesus, I accept you, I receive you as my Lord and Savior, but he's the source of newness of life every day of your life. He is the rivers of living water that are flowing in our being. He is those rivers. Jesus said, anyone believes in me, out of their bellies shall flow rivers of living water. He was speaking of his own spirit. It's that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Dwells in us. It's not a duplicate spirit. It's not another spirit. It's the same spirit that lives in him. That if we abide in the vine, that same spirit flows in us. That renew us, renews us every morning. Refreshes us every day. Abide in Christ. Abiding in Christ is a place for answered prayer. James chapter 4 verse 2 says, Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because it says your motives are all wrong. That's James chapter 4 verse 2 through, two through 4. It says, what you, And you want only what will give you pleasure. The Bible gives us these two primary reasons why our prayers go unanswered. It's because, first of all, we don't ask. We don't look to God. We don't trust God to give us what we need. But secondly, when we do ask, we ask with the wrong motives. Well, abiding in Christ resolves those problems. Just absolutely deals with them. When we abide with Christ, we become one with him. Our self-will is brought into submission. And our thoughts and our desires and our motives are being conformed to his thoughts and his desires. His spirit in me shapes me. His spirit in me molds me. He molds my thinking. So without being conscious of it, I'm beginning to have the mind of Christ. Without even me understanding it. I begin to think like Jesus would think. Want what Jesus would want. Respond the way Jesus responds. By abiding in Christ, the flow of his life comes and integrates every part of my being. And that is at this point, Jesus said confidently to his disciples, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. But the key is abiding. The key to having not prayers, not just praying, but prayers that are being answered. You see, it's not just praying eloquent prayers, but it's God answering those prayers. And if not, why? 
The third thing, a body in Christ is a place of power and authority. Power and authority. And I believe in this day and time that we need, we do not need a powerless church. We need church of believers that are full of the power of God. The power of God. But how does that power come about? Well, here, here's the great truth of the incarnation, of the coming of Christ. That Jesus was willing to share in our humanity in order for us to become partakers of his divinity. Let me say that again. Jesus was willing to come and share in our humanity without sin so that we could become partakers of his divinity. The Bible says, he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Peter said, we have all become partakers of his divine nature. We can only share in his divinity because we know he has become a partaker of our humanity. And so it's in Christ it's in Christ that we meet God. It's in Christ that we experience all that heaven has to offer. It's in Christ that we are raised up and we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. It's in Christ. Abiding in Christ is a life of never-ending growth and fulfillment. As I said earlier, the Bible says that in him we live and move and have our being. It is a place of power and authority. Are you with me today? Abiding in Christ is a place where you live for the praise of his glory. Where you live for the praise. Think about that statement. That the chief goal in life is to give glory and honor to God. How many of you know that? That is the chief aim in life. That whatsoever you do in word and deed, do it as unto the Lord. But how to go about living that way escapes us because it's only in Christ that we can actually accomplish it. Why? Because he's the only one that could do it. He's the only man that was able to live a life that was so completely given to the glory of God. Everything he did, he did it for the Father's glory. Is that right? Everything that he did, he did for the Father's glory. And so it's only by abiding in Christ that his commitment to bringing the Father praise and glory is fulfilled in your life and my life. Where the glory of God permeates the desire for his glory and his honor saturates my thinking. That whether it's in relationships or whether it's at the job or whether it's in shopping or whether it's riding the trains. That it's so, it's just in my mind. I want to live in such a way that God is glorified. That only comes by abiding in Christ because he's the only one that did it that way. 
He's the only one that did it that way. In closing, I want to talk about the work of the branches. Jesus said in verse 5, I'm the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. The divine plan of God was this. Jesus will give you the life, but you must bear the fruit. And that, that is an amazing thing. That no fruit comes from the vine. The, the fruit comes from the branches. And that's how God arranged it. That's how God chose to do it. That's the way God has sought to bring the body and the head together. To bring the branch and the vine together in mutual productivity. So that we literally become co-workers with Christ. Co-workers with Christ. He gives us the life, the, the, the life. We produce the fruit. It's a beautiful picture of what we're called to do. But Jesus guarantees that if we abide in him, if we don't live for ourselves, you will, give, you will produce fruit that others need and others desire for nourishment and refreshment. It is our responsibility. It's an interesting thing that one can receive the gifts of the Spirit through the impartation, through the laying on of hands. You can be a good teacher, a good musician, a good witness, a good preacher, a good salesman, a good businessman. But that necessarily means that you're bearing fruit for the kingdom. The gifts come by impartation. The fruit only comes by abiding in Christ. And that's very, very important. That we can try to do the work of God in our own strength and effort because I can preach well or I can teach well or I'm eloquent, eloquent in speech or I can, you know, do this and that but not bear fruit. The gifts can come through impartation. But the fruit, the character of Christ, the glory of God that people know it's not a man, it's God, this is God, only comes by abiding. Only comes by abiding in Christ. This, the greatest secret of abiding in Christ is the deep conviction in our lives that we are nothing. And Christ is everything. We are nothing. If I'm severed from the vine, I am nothing. But as long as I'm severed to the vine, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Can we all stand? Brother Greg. Hear what I'm saying this morning. I tried to say.
That abiding in Christ is not a call to some religious rules and regulations that intends to kind of just bind you up and cause you to walk in some kind of straight jacket. But abiding in Christ is liberating. It is liberating. It is a calling and an invitation to a life-giving union with the Son of God. Can it get any better than that? A life-giving union with the Son of God. It is a union that promises, it promises a life filled with purpose and meaning and fulfillment. You will have challenges. There will be days when you will be pressed on every side. But there's a source within you that never runs dry. Never! Never! It will never run dry. Abide in Christ. We're going to give an altar call right now. You see, one of the things that we failed to say as we were speaking, that the vine, the branch, the the, the vine dresser, the gardener, will also cut off branches that don't bear any fruit. And the implication is here is that you can be in church and look like a fruit bearer, but you ain't. And the word is that every branch that does not bear fruit, the father, the gardener, removes. And yet you're here this morning because God loves you. Because God has a plan for you. And because God needs you. And God said, I will graft you into my son. You don't have to worry about it. You just open your heart to Jesus and I will place you into my son. And so this morning, I'm going to give an invitation to people that you mean well, but you know you're not grafted in. You know it. And there's no fruit. You're doing your own thing and you're, you're successful in this and you're successful in that, but you know that there's no fruits of righteousness. This is an invitation to you. Not a word of condemnation. Not a word of condemnation. But a loving invitation. From the gardener. Says I want you. And I'll place you in my son. The Bible says that Jesus. Was wounded. And bruised. Wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. There is no sin that you've committed that has not been taken care of at Calvary. He took care of it by the wounds that he received. And it's at that place of his woundedness that God says, now I'm going to take you and put you right there. At the very place where he died, where he was wounded and bruised for you and I, he takes our lives and says, I'm going to put you right there. He did that for you. 
So that now the life of the vine, the life of the Jesus now will flow into your life. The Bible says, if any man is in Christ or any woman, you are a new creation because of the life that will flow from the son of God into you. I want you to raise your hands with me right now and just repeat after me. God, thank you for loving me. Thank you, God, for sending your son. Your son, Jesus, to be the one who took care of my needs, who paid for my sins, who died on the cross for me. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving me and receiving me into your son. Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. Come into your life, my life. Come into my life and make your home in me as I make my home in you. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. I receive the life of your Son. I will abide in him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.